Previously on Main Event Heat. Let's let it go, guys. It's been a long time. We keep doing this. Every time AEW goes to Chicago, there's the CM Punk chance. I don't think he's going to show up. This building has a ship like this since Michael Jordan was here. This is Jordan S. This is an amazing moment that we're all experiencing. All right, so I was wrong. Whatever. Fuck you. Let's just start the episode. up everyone welcome back to another edition of the main event heat podcast i am your host rob weathers aka the dumbest motherfucker in podcast history and uh yeah well we can go ahead and talk about it cm punk debuted at rampage friday night i'm recording on saturday so it was last night uh i was so certain if for any of you that listened to last week's episode you know this i was so certain punk was not gonna show up whatsoever I was actually at a concert last night and was like, I wasn't even worried. I was like, I'm, I'm just going to go watch this concert. I'm going to go home and there's not going to be anything in the news about it. There, He's not going to show up. And then by the time I get to my car, I've got like 80 messages talking about how CM Punk debuted and I'm a fucking idiot. All right, fine. It took seven fucking years. You guys were wrong like a at least two dozen times before this, all right? So I'll take that small victory to know that it took you guys seven years to get it right. All right. Anyway, congratulations to CM Punk. Congratulations to All Elite Wrestling. I do hope that this proves to be a fruitful relationship between the two. At this moment, I don't really know if everybody's 100% sure what Punk's going to be doing. I'm, I mean, I'm sure he's going to wrestle, right? I'm also sure it's not going to be a full-time basis. Like, he's probably just going to... I don't think it's going to be so much like a Sting schedule where he just kind of wrestles like once every few months. But somewhere in between a Sting schedule and a normal wrestler schedule, you know what I mean? But whatever he's doing, congratulations to AEW. That's huge for them. I can imagine their ratings are probably going to skyrocket now. Um, I just saw, saw a crazy stat... Uh, that a friend of mine posted in a group chat earlier that I want to pull up. And it's it's the, the CM Punk is All Elite graphic is by far the most liked All Elite graphic that AEW has put out on Twitter. The closest was Sting is All Elite, which had 35,000 likes. The CM Punk is All Elite graphic is sitting at 125,000 likes. Holy shit. Shout out to my friend Brady for posting that stat. That's wild. That's... That's huge. And, but I'll tell you guys this. It, it did inspire me to want to do another top 10 list for you guys today. And the top 10 list that I want to do is my favorite surprise AEW debuts. CM Punk is going to be on this list, but he's not going to be as far on this list as you guys would probably want. I will explain why whenever we get to it. But speaking of surprises, I just found out recently that Championship Wrestling from Atlanta is going to have a special main event at the September 2nd 
tapings here in Atlanta at center stage. Chris Dickinson is going to be wrestling Mike Bennett for the United Wrestling Network Heavyweight Championship. That was huge news for me. I am going to be at that show at center stage September 2nd. I hope all of you that are listening, if you are able, I hope you're going to be there too. It's going to be a fantastic show. For any of you that live near the Atlanta metro area, the show will be airing on Peachtree TV. Uh, I believe it starts a couple of weeks after the tapings, and it should be a weekly show. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have like a worldwide distribution of the show, like if they're going to put it on iPay-Per-View or anything like that. I'm not sure at this time, but I do know that I'm very, very excited to go to that show. I'm very, very excited for Championship Wrestling from Atlanta as a brand. A lot of my friends are going to be there. And yeah, I hope you guys can be there too. Now with that said, let's go ahead and get on to this week's topic. And that is my top 10 favorite surprise AEW debut so far. Now, a little bit of a caveat before we get into this list. Something that's been very tough as far as surprise debuts goes within AEW's short lifespan has been that a lot of it hasn't really been a surprise, has it? You know, with 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 this being the the internet age that we live in, and with the dirt sheets running wild, and this, that, and the other, it's so hard to actually be surprised by somebody debuting in AEW because everybody seems to be reporting on it weeks before it actually happens, and that made making this list kind of tough. I actually spent a lot more time working on this list than I thought I was going to, just because you know I'm, I want to talk about ones that surprised me. I want to talk about debuts that personally surprised me. And a lot of these weren't really a shock because everybody was talking about it weeks before it even happened. And that, that speculation machine starts going and it, it's kind of ruined some debuts. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But before we get to that, let's take a quick break. If you would like to support the show, head on over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Rob Weathers, where you can pick up one of several t-shirt designs, including the brand new Main Event Heat podcast shirt. That's ProWrestlingTees.com slash R-O-B-W-E-A-T-H-E-R-S. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Rob Weathers. Let's get this top 10 surprise AEW debuts list kicking off with number 10, the Good Brothers debuting after night one of New Year's Smash on January 6, 2021. This debut, even though it wasn't necessarily a surprise for me because I had around this time just started my working relationship with the folks over at Talking Shop, and Gallows wasn't exactly keeping it a secret that he was going to be in Jacksonville that week, but even knowing what I knew... It still was very surprising how it happened. You have Kenny Omega just finishes his match with Ray Phoenix, cut to the camera in the back, and you see that Eddie Kingston, Butcher, and Blade are beaten up on Pentagon and Pac, so none of them are going to be able to come out and save Phoenix. Eventually, Moxley comes out with a barbed wire bat trying to save Phoenix, and then the Good Brothers come out from the, uh, the side of the venue and beat the crap out of Moxley. And it was such a cool visual. My favorite part of this whole thing is, at this time, the only people that were in the crowd were the other wrestlers, like the 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 indie talent that they were bringing in to work dark. They were the only people in the building. And a lot of them start jumping the barricade to get in the ring and try to save Phoenix and Moxley. And the Good Brothers and Kenny just lay waste to everybody. I love the spot where Gallows power bombs Fuego through the table. He wasn't supposed to do that. I, I, I don't know if they had talked about 
They were going to do the table spot. I think they were going to do the table spot, but Fuego wasn't the guy that was supposed to go through the table, but Gallows didn't really care and just put him through the table anyway. That's, uh, yeah, that's about par for the course right there. It was, it was such a really cool visual. This is the first time anybody from Impact had gone to AEW. Before this, all that we had was, was Omega going over to Impact with Don Callis after he won the belt. This is the first time that anybody from Impact came over to AEW and for a long time was the only two people from Impact that came over to AEW. This was this was a really big deal as far as that working relationship goes. This was the first quote unquote shot across the bow and the what we thought was to be the Impact versus AEW war. It hasn't really been a war. I kind of wish they would go into more of like an invasion type mode, give us the invasion that we wanted as kids. But it's kind of just been more of just a straight working relationship. But it was still really cool. Even though I kind of already knew it was going to happen, it was still surprising how it happened. And there's a lot of historical significance there. Number nine on the list, I have Andrade El Idolo debuting June 4th, 2021. This had the potential to be higher on this list because unlike a lot of the quote unquote surprises on this list, this actually was a surprise. I didn't think this was going to happen. I think what kind of, I don't want to say ruined this, but made it the reason that it's number nine and not say number two or three is Vicky comes out, Vicky Guerrero comes out to introduce Andrade. Vicky, I I would love to meet Vicky Guerrero as a person uh, because she, she seems like just a, an amazing human being. I cannot stand anytime she is in a wrestling ring because she cannot cut promos. She's really, she's really not good at it. And I think that that was a big flaw in this debut because if you go back and watch the clip on YouTube... She announces that she's she's got this guy that she's debuting. He's won championships from all over the world, but like you can't really understand her because she's yelling and she's trying to roll her R's and like her voices. I don't know if she has necessarily a list, but something's up. And she says Andrade El Idolo, and I think a lot of people in the crowd just didn't understand her because they're all still kind of booing her. And then Andrade comes walking out, and then everyone, oh shit, it's Andrade! Oh, and then they all start screaming. So I think that that was almost kind of a botch. Like, I think that a lot of people, from what I was hearing, they, they couldn't understand what Vicky said. So they didn't know that Andrade was coming out. And then once the realization hit that Andrade's coming out, looking like a million bucks, might I add, everybody goes crazy. He basically just comes out, stakes his claim to being the, the future of, of all elite wrestling. Guy looks amazing. I don't think there's a single person in the world that looks as good in a suit as Andrade does. Maybe Cody Rhodes is like a, like, like a close second. Just, just an amazing looking guy. He eventually winds up having a match, I think like a month later. He's awesome. This, this could have been a way cooler debut. It was great that it got to happen in front of a crowd, one of my favorite moments was this was the week that my friend Zicky Dice was there in attendance for Dark. So he's in the crowd with some of the other wrestlers. And some of his facial expressions during Andrade's uh, debut was pretty hilarious. Uh, nobody does it quite like the outlandish one. But yeah, this this could have been so much higher on my list. I feel like the debut could have been done better. But why it's still on the list is unlike a lot of the other ones here, it actually was kind of shocking. It was kind of a surprise. I think that a lot of people assumed he would come to AEW, but not like this, not this quick, especially right after he announced he was going to be working in AAA. 
I feel like a lot of people thought that maybe he was just going to focus on that at first. That's what I thought, at least. But yeah, Andrade El Idolo could have been a lot bigger, but it was pretty awesome for what we got. Number eight, the debut of the exalted one, Brody Lee. AEW Dynamite, March 18th, 2020. I believe this is the first empty arena show, which is, it's such a shame that this could not happen in front of a crowd. The pop would have been huge. I believe that they had plans to debut Brody in Rochester, New York, uh, which was his hometown. And it's so crazy to think about what could have been, especially, you know, knowing what we know now. It was, I almost think it added to the debut with it being this empty arena. There's really nobody at all in the crowd. I think, I think MJF and Wardlow are sitting in the crowd, but that's about it. Like there's, there's nobody making any noise. And I think it added to like this eerie presentation of Brody showing up and, you know, the exalted one's basically a cult leader. And I think that 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 eerie presentation really added to it. Basically, the segment starts with Evil Uno and Stu Grayson coming out to cut a promo talking about the arrival of the Exalted One. Christopher Daniels and Kazarian interrupt them. Christopher Daniels gets on the microphone and says, I'm tired of hearing this bullshit. There is no such thing as the Exalted One. It's just you two guys and a bunch of other cronies. While he's in the middle of cutting this promo, a video package airs. Brody Lee explaining that he is the Exalted One. And then whenever the promo package ends, the lights come back up in the arena. Brody is now in the ring behind Daniels and Kazarian. And then once they turn around, Brody lays one of the cleanest big boots I've ever seen in my life on Daniels. And I love how he does it. Like he hits the big boot and he like, he puts so much force behind it that he winds up kneeling afterwards with his other knee. It was so cool. And then he he looks like he's going to set up a sister Abigail being a callback to, uh, to his days in the Wyatt family. But then he lets go and then rears back and then does one of the biggest discus, discus clotheslines I've ever seen in my life. Uh, after he does it, Excalibur actually had a, a line that I really enjoyed. He said it looks like they just got run over by a big rig. Obviously a callback to to Brody's nickname whenever he was in Chikara. And yeah, it's especially in hindsight, thinking about just, just how special Brody Lee was. And as a wrestling fan, being thankful that he did get the one final run that he got. Because I think that in the less than a year, I think he was only with AEW for what, seven or eight months before his unfortunate passing, what we got out of him was great. And I think that he really wanted to prove that to people. You know, don't judge me based on my time in WWE. I'm worth so much more. And he really was. I think his dog collar match that he had with Cody was absolutely brilliant. And knowing that that was the last match that we got out of him, it's almost poetic that he ended his career with probably the greatest match that he ever had. I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. I've I've got on my screen right now, I've actually got a video of the debut and I'm just looking directly at Brody Lee right now and it's kind of fucking me up. Um, I am thankful that we got what we got uh, from Brody Lee whenever we did. Uh, And yeah, long live the exalted one. Number seven, the debut of one of the greatest talkers in the history of professional wrestling Jake the Snake Roberts shows up the beginning of March 2020 and just destroys Cody Rhodes with words in the middle of the ring. 
Cody just coming off of his big feud with MJF. MJF beating him at Revolution. Cody can now no longer challenge for the world title. He comes in the ring to talk about that. He's pissed off. He wants MJF to come out to the ring, but he doesn't. Jake the Snake comes out. And Jake comes out and he calls Cody Rhodes Caesar, which I really wish he would have continued to do that because it's a perfect nickname for Cody Rhodes. And he comes out and talks about how he has a client that is going to be coming to All Elite Wrestling with him. He doesn't want the entire pie. He just wants Cody Rhodes' share. Then he ends the promo with one of my favorite lines that I've ever heard take place on a wrestling show. He says, never turn your back on anyone that you respect or you're afraid of. And then he immediately turns his back on Cody Rhodes and tosses the microphone behind him. What a fucking badass. I have enjoyed Jake's time in AEW. I wish that we got to see him more. I, I, I Fuck, you could put Jake the Snake in every single segment. It could just be Jake and Arn Anderson talking shit to each other in every single segment on AEW. I would tune in every week. I would tune in way more frequently than I currently do. Obviously, right after this, Lance Archer makes his debut as the client of Jake the Snake. Well, I, I don't want to say it wasn't shocking, but it didn't have the gravitas as this did. He didn't really get an entrance. He kind of just came and sat ringside with, with Jake. It wasn't as cool as this was. Jake's, Jake's entrance was just amazing. Everything about his presentation on this first night, just cutting Cody Rhodes down to size. It was amazing. I fucking love Jake the Snake Roberts. Now time for number six. This is the debut of Kenta at AEW Beach Break. This was this was huge for a lot of reasons. One of the big ones for me personally is this was at that time where a little over a month or two into this whole Impact AEW working relationship and all we've really seen on AEW was the Good Brothers show up. This match, of course, is Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers versus John Moxley, Pac, and Ray Phoenix. Uh, the Good Brothers hit Phoenix with the Magic Killer for the win. They start beating the shit out of Phoenix, Pac, and Moxley. Lance Archer comes out to save the day. He winds up rolling out of the ring with the Good Brothers. You've got Omega and Moxley left in the ring. And just as Moxley's getting to his feet, looks like he might have got the better of the exchange. Kenta comes out and lays out Moxley with the go to sleep. He had the mask on. He had a jacket, beanie, everything. He was, this was a total shock. I in no way, shape, or form thought this dude was going to show up on AEW. And the story in it is perfect. And there's a lot of reasoning behind it because Kenta had just won what I believe was New Japan Strong's version of the G1. Every year, New Japan has the G1. And whoever wins the G1 Climax gets a briefcase and a shot at the world champion at Wrestle Kingdom. Kenta won the New Japan Strong version, which was a briefcase with a shot at the United States champion which at the time was Moxley. Moxley had kind of been kind of been holding that belt hostage for a while, if we want to be honest. And Kenta showing up, laying waste to Moxley, setting up their future match on New Japan Strong. This was an absolute shock. You know, and, and like I said, this is something that's been tough 
with the internet age. And Kent has even kind of teased a lot of people several weeks leading up to this that he was going to go out to Jacksonville. And this was, it got to a point where he had done it so much, he had been crying wolf so much that everybody just kind of forgot about it. And then he showed up and we're like, oh fuck, that's the way to do it. Now we're all shocked. Uh, It was really cool. The match that he winds up having with Moxley was great. I personally think Kenta should have won the match, but that's neither here nor there. He winds up uh, having a match on Dynamite later, uh, I think just a couple of weeks after this. Yeah, absolutely awesome debut. Number five, one of my all-time favorite performers in the industry, Eddie Kingston, debuting in July of 2020 to accept the Cody Rhodes TNT title open challenge. He shows up and just immediately within two minutes, he has no music, he has no pyro, nothing. He just comes out with a microphone, and in two minutes, if you don't know who Eddie Kingston is, you are about to fucking find out, because that man tells you everything that you need to know about him. He says another one of my all-time favorite lines in AEW history, everyone that you have faced before me has been a child, I am a grown-ass man, I will put you in the ground and smile. I fucking love Eddie Kingston. I've got a really cool story about being in an elevator with Kingston, Brian Hebner, and Marty Skrull at the last ever uh, NWA tapings before the pandemic happened. Maybe one day I'll tell that story, but Kingston's one of the most intimidating dudes I've ever been around in my life. The match was awesome. This was the best way to debut somebody. I love the TNT Open Challenge that Cody was doing. They brought in a lot of unknown talent to a lot of people. Shortly before this, I think they, he brought in Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks had a video package, had a very good match, wound up getting a job himself. I don't have Ricky on this list, but that's definitely an honorable mention of mine. Eddie comes out, and just based on that promo and based on this performance, Tony said, that's it, this dude's got to have a job immediately. And I love when that happens. There's been a handful of times whenever wrestlers show up and in their first performance... They're like, that. that's it. We got to give him a contract. That happened with Private Party at Fighter Fest. It happened here with Eddie Kingston. Some people have to grind for months, even a year, to get that contract. Look at Fuego Del Sol we talked about uh, last week on the show. Eddie Kingston, right out of the gate. If you didn't know, now you know. Fucking love that guy. Number four, another very surprising AEW debut that absolutely caught me off guard. Malachi Black. One of the really surprising things about this was he had just left the WWE. A lot of people assumed, you know, which is appropriate, that he would have had a 90-day no-compete. That makes sense. Most people that are on the WWE main roster get cut and have 90 days where they cannot compete for another company. Apparently, he still had his NXT 30-day and nobody said anything about it. So this dude, a month later, almost to the day, if not exactly on the day, shows up in AEW, cuts off Arn Anderson's promo, knocks his head off with a black mask. Cody comes in to save him, knocks his head off with it as well. Commentary wasn't my favorite right here. You know, uh, Excalibur exclaims, that's Tommy End. I wrestled him 15 years ago in Germany. But that's not, that's not Tommy End, though. And then he just magically knows that his name is Malachi Black. Yeah, we know that like the day before he had posted that video on on Twitter of the the little short movie that he made explaining Malachi Black, but it was just kind of weird how Excalibur delivered it. 
I've been a little vocal on here before about like Excalibur's not my favorite broadcaster in AEW and kind of little stuff like this is why. It's it's one of the reasons why I think that sometimes it's better to be shocked, it's better to be surprised by an outcome because I like the organic reactions that people will get. You know, whenever I whenever I do commentary for Lariato, yeah, most of the time I know who is going to win a match, but I almost never know what the actual finish is going to be, which is a surprise for me. So I can have a natural reaction. Sometimes whenever I think the match is about to end, I, I'll be shocked and go, oh God, no, actually that's not the end at all. And just, just little things like that. I'm not saying that if you're going to bring in somebody, don't tell the commentary team, hey, this guy's here. But in this case, I think it would have been better because commentary was kind of weird during this. JR was kind of just making noises like, oh, ah, you know, it's, it's so fucking weird. Uh, commentary could have been better during this. But regardless, Malachi comes out, looks amazing. Say what you want about the Cody and Malachi feud. I know that a lot of people haven't liked it. I love the simplicity of like the the good versus evil aspect. The one guy's in a black suit, the one guy's in a good and the white suit. I, I just the little things that they did with each other, I absolutely loved. Uh, at the time of this recording, we still don't necessarily know if this is over, if Cody's actually retiring, or what's going on. So to be determined on the rest of the story. But as this started, I really loved it. I love how he comes out with the eye. He's got black makeup around the eye with the contact in, still selling an eye injury that he got while he was in WWE. What I love about Tommy end is he cares so much about every little detail of his character. There's a lot of wrestlers that no matter what company they're working for, they're like, slot me in anywhere. It doesn't matter. I'll make it work. And there's something really special to be said about those wrestlers. But Tommy said, no, I have to be presented this certain way. And AEW is willing to give him anything that he wants. And I think that we're going to see a really, really exciting set of events here in the future as it pertains to Malachi Black. At this moment, this is still kind of fresh, so don't exactly know how this is going to work out here in the future. The debut couldn't have happened at a better time. This is almost a year and a half after they have been exclusively running at, at Daly's Place. This is the first show since March of 2020 where they're finally outside of Jacksonville. They're in Miami, Florida for this show. And this was an amazing treat for the crowd at that at that show. This was awesome. Absolutely love Malachi Black. And I cannot wait to see what happens in the future with him. Number three, I am ready to piss a lot of people off with this one. Number three is CM Punk. That's right. He's not number one. Why is he not number one? Because I said before, this is surprise AEW debuts. Everybody and their mom seemed to know that CM Punk was going to show up. So not very fucking surprising. But even though I necessarily wasn't looking forward to it, it doesn't mean that I don't have a ton of respect for CM Punk. I did try to talk about that in last week's episode. Yes, him going to the to the UFC definitely faded a lot of the shine for me. I, I thought that was such a stupid idea. I feel like he kind of wasted a couple of years of his professional career going to the UFC. And it just seemed like such a stupid idea. He, he wasted a lot of people's time, if, if we're being honest. And then and that's an actual fact. If I ever met CM Punk and if the conversation ever came up, I'd tell him that exact same thing. I feel like it was a waste of time going to the UFC. But with that being said, he is a very important member of the professional wrestling world. He that Just that one single promo 10 years ago now single-handedly almost changed professional wrestling. It really did. It made a huge deal. He is a big deal. 
the crowd blowing up whenever he came out. They were all waiting for it. They were all expecting it, and it was awesome. I'm not going to lie to you. It was awesome. Yeah, I wasn't exactly looking forward to it like a lot of people were. I was just kind of shaking my head going, it's not going to happen. But you know what? It did happen. And I was wrong. I admit that at the top of the broadcast. It was really cool. Awesome that Tony Khan is willing to shell out the money to get rights to certain songs. I think him coming out to Cult of Personality was definitely the way to go. I didn't watch last night's episode of Rampage. All I literally saw was the the four or five minute video that AEW posted on YouTube of him coming out and they played the entire song and the crowd was just going nuts the whole time. I can imagine most of the people in that arena cannot talk this morning. It was cool. It was, it was really, really cool. Like I said, it's not number one because it wasn't necessarily a surprise. It was in the technical sense, but nobody was really surprised about the surprise. It was still cool nonetheless. I'm really curious to see what happens with this relationship in the future. And once again, like I said earlier, congratulations to both CM Punk and AEW. All right, number two. Let's see how good my Tony Schiavone impression is. It's I think that wasn't too bad, right? Sting debuting December 2nd, 2020. This was so fucking cool. It's actually a little bittersweet for me because I had originally had plans to drive to Jacksonville with my wife to go to that show. We love Daly's Place. We had been there for a dynamite before the pandemic and it's just a really really awesome venue we wanted to go to this show but the reason that we didn't is because the week before we had just had my family come up for thanksgiving and we had spent a lot of money while they were here and kind of were just physically drained from over a week of my entire family being here so we wound up saying i will we'll we'll go to another show and then we're watching tnt that night and fucking sting debuts kicking myself in the ass to this day for it I've said before, I'm going to continue to say, I have to see Sting live. I will be seeing him, hopefully at WrestleCade in a couple of months, but I have to see this guy work. He's had a few matches in AEW since debuting here, and they've been good. Something that people need to keep in mind, this guy's 60 fucking two, and he looks as good as he does, and he can still fucking work. He, he just he just had a tag team match, a Tornado tag team match, him and Darby against 2.0 last week, and he does a fucking double Scorpion death drop, or death lock, I mean. I think he does a death drop, too. And fucking, he goes through a table and pops right back up. Now, we can talk about, like, from a kayfabe perspective, a lot of people don't agree with him no selling the table. I personally don't either. But just the fact that going through a table doesn't feel good, guys. This dude went through a table and just... Popped right back up. That's fucking insane. He's 60 fucking two. And he comes out, he debuts saving Cody Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes, and Darby Allen from getting their shit kicked in by Team Taz. And he comes out and he eyeballs Cody. He eyeballs Dustin. And then he goes to Darby. Darby stands up and gets right in his face. And that was so cool. And it's really cool seeing the relationship that the two of them have had since this debut I hope it leads to a match. I really do, because Darby will bump his ass off for Sting. Um, Yeah, I'm really looking forward to to anything else that Sting has to offer. I'm so thankful for the time that we've got with him. And yeah, this was just such an amazing fucking debut. Love it so much. I, I just watched that debut video again on YouTube, and it gave me chills watching it. It also pissed me off because I should have fucking been there. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Number one, who else could it be 
but the debut of John Moxley, Double or Nothing, Memorial Day weekend, 2019. This was both a surprise and two very historic for the entire company. This was such a huge deal. This was the first big sign of AEW saying, hey, we're here, we're taking this shit seriously, and we've got one of the biggest stars in the world that we're about to put this whole fucking company on the back of. Moxley comes out through the crowd, interrupts Jericho's promo after defeating Kenny Omega in the main event, rolls into the ring, Jericho with his funny, you don't even work here fucking thing, and then Jericho gets dropped by Moxley. Then Moxley starts beating Kenny Omega's ass, drags him up to the stage, and drops him on off of the uh, the poker chips that they had on the set. It was an awesome debut, and for historical context, we're talking about the guy that wound up becoming the second ever champion, world champion of AEW, a guy who has been a constant fixture in that company since debuting. And it, it's just like we talked about earlier with some of the other people on this list didn't exactly get to realize his full potential whenever he was in WWE. And I would argue that pretty much everything he's done since he arrived in AEW has been awesome. And I think that it's gone down exactly the way that he wanted it to go down. His promos have been amazing. His matches have been amazing. And I love everything about John Moxley in AEW. It had to be Mox. It had to be Mox. Some honorable mentions that I would like to bring up. Uh, FTR. I think had a really cool debut. A lot of people, once again, not really a surprise. You know, a lot of people have been talking about them eventually coming. This this whole rivalry with them and the Bucks had been kind of brewing on social media for a really long time. But it's still a really cool debut, just just below making it on the top ten. Brian Cage debuting in the I think it was the Casino Battle Royal with Taz. That was also a really cool debut. Christian Cage, another Cage. Christian Cage's debut was also really cool. The only reason, I was going to put it at number 10, and I was going to leave the Good Brothers off. The only reason I did not put Christian Cage on this list is because I felt like Paul White, large movie, I almost called him Big Show, Paul White gave it away. He he straight up said that, hey, we got this guy who's going to debut tonight, and he's a Hall of Fame caliber talent, and he can outwork anyone. That absolutely fucking gave it away because if you've ever listened to any wrestling podcast ever about with, with that's hosted by people that worked with Christian, they'll all tell you that same exact line. He's Hall of Fame caliber and he can outwork anyone. That 100% gave it away. I was no longer shocked. So, well, fuck guys, it's Christian. Holy shit. Uh, and then Ricky Starks. I talked about Ricky Starks earlier. I kind of, in the similar vein as Eddie Kingston, showed up for the open challenge against Cody Rhodes, had a really good match, wound up getting signed almost immediately after but just not making it on the top 10. But yeah, number one, John Moxley, absolutely fantastic debut. And there you have it. I hope that everyone enjoyed this week's episode of Main Event Heat. If you have any other top 10 topics that you would like me to tackle, send your requests over to maineventheat at yahoo.com. I'll be sure to take a look at them. And I'm sure that all of your top 10 AEW surprise debut lists look completely different from mine. You can share your opinions over on Twitter or Instagram at Sweet Sexy Rob. Let me know what you guys are thinking. I'd love to see your list. If you guys would like to support the show, head on over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Rob Weathers. Hopefully they fixed the servers after CM Punk fucking crashed everything. But until next time, thanks for hanging out. <clears throat>